Welcome, everybody, today uh, to another edition of the Learn with GMP podcast. We are lucky enough in this episode to be joined by longtime Googler, Carrie Jacobs. Carrie has been at Google 13 years and has created the Leading with Empathy program here at Google with the goal of helping improve the overall culture by giving our people managers permission to lead with empathy. This program has been a huge success here with over 3,000 managers, directors, and VPs having gone through the program. So today, Carrie is kind enough to speak with us a little bit about what her program entails, um, but also talk to us about her journey of how she uh, got to this point and what inspired her to create this program. So welcome, Carrie, and thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks, Kara. There's no other team I would rather be spending time with than this platform's one. So thank you. Well, we are very, very honored to have you. And a lot of things that we think our subscribers would be interested in, lear- interested in learning from you. So I'm going to dive right in here. Um, you were the architect creator of this program, um, which has been hugely successful. What inspired you to create this program? I think I've always wanted to do something around helping managers just be more compassionate and kind and empathetic. Um, it came to a head for me. I've I've been a manager for many years. I've also also obviously been managed by lots of people over the years. And although um, there's a lot of training that exists for leaders at Google around different facets of the business, I just felt like there was something missing when it came to highlighting these traits. For me, it came to a head when I had a bit of a mental breakdown, which I now recognize was burnout, and I had to take a leave of absence. And while I was out, I just realized that I wasn't happy in my role. I wasn't happy inside or outside of work. And some of that was just because I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. And um, what I really wanted to do was to build something that would help leaders see the value in something like compassion and empathy in leadership. And I was really, really lucky because I worked at the time for um, Sean Downey, who, as you know, is the most compassionate and empathic VP at Google. And when I pitched my idea to him, he was really supportive. And that's really where it started. And we began delivering in-person workshops that were several hours in length. And then COVID hit and we had to quickly changed to being a virtual one-hour workshop that is in really high demand. We've now delivered it over 300 times. And I think that's because everyone now, with the world being upside down and people going through so many hardships, people finally realize how important empathy is as a trait in leadership. So I'm really pleased that we had put the foundation blocks in place before COVID-19 came along and we all, you know, had to end up working from home. Definitely. That has um, come in very handy. And I think there has been a a larger focus on that even more since the pandemic hit. So thank you for helping us be more prepared to cope with what was to come. And I know you said the program is obviously, you know, it was a couple hours and then you condensed it down to an hour. Uh, are you able to give our listeners just kind of like an elevator pitch of, or, you know, high level overview of what you cover in this program? 
Yeah, so an hour is very deliberate, Cara, because some of these leaders are very senior. So I can't get on their calendar for longer than that. I also find that just the... The, the the only length of time that you can capture someone's attention is less than an hour, right, before everybody starts, like, multitasking. And it's really important to me that people are present during this training. People become very vulnerable, very emotional at times. So I definitely want people to be paying attention. During the hour, we it's very conversational. I do present data. I talk a lot about what empathy means and how we need to show up in the office or in our virtual office. Um, and I present data that I've collected from over 3,000 individual contributors at Google, um, surveys that I've done that ask them, what are the behaviors that you see from leaders that make you feel included or make you feel excluded? Because, you know, feeling included means that you're going to do great work. You're going to be inspired. You're going to attract other top talent. You're going to go above and beyond. Whereas feeling excluded immediately leads to morale issues, um, well-being issues, and attrition. So I share that data, then we sort of walk through lots of scenarios and all the different things that you can do as a leader. I've learned that at Google, um, Google leaders want to know what to do. They don't want to talk about the concept or the philosophy of it. They're like, tell me what to do to fix this. So we get quite practical and tactical. Um, and then I also talk about empathy for yourself. And that's when we really touch on burnout and how important it is to have compassion for yourself and to prioritize your mental health. So a bit of everything, hopefully leaving people feeling empowered to treat their teams slightly differently with tiny behavioral adjustments that are actually not any effort. It's not extra work. It's just remembering the things that really matter, saying thank you, stuff like that. That's incredible, Carrie. Thank you for sharing the outline there. Uh, and I know you mentioned that you've heard from a lot of people what makes people feel excluded. Um, are you able to share any of those things that maybe our listeners don't realize that they're doing, but are things that could make people feel excluded? Absolutely, Kara. So of course, none of it's intentional. I don't think anyone at Google sets out to make anyone feel excluded. But just very simple things like not being present in a call or showing up late, giving the sense of favoritism on the team that some people are being treated differently from others, multitasking. There are so many things that we do um, canceling one-on-ones at last minute, things that we do without really thinking of the consequences and the repercussions. And if you are going to cancel something at the last minute, that's fine. Life is very messy at the moment. But just a quick, you know, apology or explanation just really helps people to understand why instead of them starting down a paranoia route of I'm not important anymore and therefore you know, what is my value here? And, you know, that spiral that we all go down. That's interesting because those are things that I think are just so small. Um, but when you point them out, it's, you know, I realize, yeah, that, that can be kind of hurtful. That can have a negative ripple effect. Listen, if it happens now and then, that's fine. But if it's a regular occurrence, um, if someone's always five minutes late to every meeting that you have with them, it does start to make you feel a little undervalued. Whereas the stuff that makes someone feel included and therefore less, you know, more likely to do phenomenal work is just 
saying thank you to them. Um, you know, being attentive during that conversation, remembering things they've told you, like, you know, they just got a dog or which country they come from and just being um, invested and interested in them as a person, which honestly doesn't take much effort. Yeah, I can certainly understand how it's something that people, myself included, for sure um, need to be reminded, but how it's something that makes a really big difference. Are there any concepts that you think people have a really hard time with from your course? So I think everyone has a hard time in prioritizing their own mental health. You know, we we talk about the, the importance of, of your own well-being. I think talking about it is one thing. I think doing it is another. And I think the culture that we're in where everyone wants to be superb, literally, all the time, um, where we're constantly um, trying to, to be better than we were yesterday, where we feel pressure from so many other people that, that are, could apply for our jobs and get them, we are so reluctant to admit that we have some challenges. And I will tell you in almost every workshop that I do, um, someone will admit to their peer group um, that they're struggling. And that those are the moments that make me, I mean, I feel sad because that suffering is happening, happening at such a grand scale. But I feel really um, happy that I'm able to facilitate that conversation because what is wonderful is that when someone does admit that they're, they're drowning, all their teammates immediately are encouraging on the call and saying, I had no idea, let me take this off your plate, how can I help? And pulling together. And I think that's the hard part. It's just getting people to admit that they are having a tough time. Yeah, and that's amazing that in your trainings, people are able to do that. Do you think that, or in your experience, do people share being overwhelmed with personal things, work, both, the combination? Um, or is it, or do people keep it kind of strictly like how they're doing at work? I honestly think in 2021, they're all one and the same now, right? I mean, especially now that I'm saying talking to you in my bedroom, you know, it, I don't, I think that's one of the challenges is that it's, it's much harder to separate work from home. Work is hard. And then when work stops, you have the challenges of working from home, living through a pandemic, all the racial injustice stuff that we're having to deal with, geopolitical issues, climate crisis, like the list goes on and on and on. And so I think it, it can definitely compound um, the, the, the difficulty that you're having at work and vice versa. And what about if a manager is lead, you know, doing this training with their team? Do you even do you see that managers feel comfortable being vulnerable and sharing how they're feeling about things? Yeah, I mean, I target the manager community primarily because I think especially middle management really struggles. They have the pressure from the top and they also carry the burden of the people underneath them. I don't mean burden, but their challenges, right? If you're managing a team of people and they're struggling or they're coming to you with their challenges, you end up carrying that on your back as well. So it can you're squeezed from both sides. I have seen managers get vulnerable and you in the most surprising places, um, security teams who are mainly um, ex-law enforcement or um, ex-military, seeing, seeing them be extremely vulnerable is surprising, but also 
um, really powerful or large teams of executive um, business partners and administrative business partners who, if you think about how working from home has affected all of us, that is a group of people that used to take real enjoyment from planning off-sites, from helping their leaders prepare for keynotes and, you know, doing, um, you know, events. And now with none of that happening and they're just kind of, they're at the laptop all the time and so are their leaders. Their leaders are no longer out of pocket going to a conference or being on a plane traveling across the world and therefore leaders are creating more work and that trickles down to everyone else with no respite and no not as much fun or outlet for fun. So I've seen different communities dealing with this in lots of different ways. And what would you say to someone who is feeling like, you know, if I admit vulnerability in front of my team, there could be negative repercussions of I'm not going to get a good project going forward or, you know, I'm not going to be put up for promotion because everybody knows that I'm stressed or they've seen this weakness how do you kind of help people overcome that fear in a a work environment to be vulnerable and to share where they're at so Kara, I don't first of all I don't know that you do overcome it I think those fears are legitimate I really do I think anyone who is vulnerable about their mental health despite what we all say still runs the risk of being described as delicate vulnerable Um, Words like that when we're discussing their performance. Um, Certainly the opposite of robust, right? I've had it happen to me. I've spoken to a a colleague of mine who went through her pregnancy without telling anyone that she was pregnant because we work in a virtual world. So no one saw her bump. We only see her from the shoulders up. And when she did tell us that she was pregnant and she'd only let the, the parties know that she had to, I asked her, like, what was that like going through that without any of your colleagues knowing? This was her second pregnancy. The first one had been very public. And she said, you know, I missed all the people sort of cooing over my bump and telling me I looked great and, and chatting to me about the, the baby. She said, but I really felt like when I was being evaluated, I was being evaluated in a level playing field. No one was making allowances for me. No one was telling me not to take on this project because it might be too much for me. And things like that. And I, not that managers do that consciously, but I just think it's fascinating. We need to learn from stories like that. And we definitely, where I see it not being an issue, Cara, is where leaders are honest about their own vulnerability. And that gives everyone else under them permission to be the same. What can't be reversed are things like mental breakdowns. And I can see it's an epidemic. Usually, I think it's, it's best to have an honest conversation about how talking about your mental health can have neg- negative implications. But more and more now, I am seeing leaders um, dealing with it the way that they should with tons of empathy and compassion because they're in the same boat. They're feeling it too. Um, and so it's really important that we look out for each other. You know, one thing you can do today If something comes off your calendar, say a training that you had just got cancelled and you have two hours that freed up, don't fill it with the usual stuff. Reach out to your team and say, hey, two hours just just freed up for me. What can I take off your plate? Now, that might be hard to do and you're like, "Ugh, I would rather have just, you know, disappeared for those two hours. But that means that the next time you're struggling, 
someone will ask that of you. And I think that's what we have to do here is just be very, very honest about when we are all hanging by threads. I think that's amazing. And I, I do feel the culture has changed a lot. And I think that you have really kickstarted something. So personally, very appreciative that this has become such a, a part of the culture. And I, I thank you for being the one to kind of bring this in to all of us. And so for our, our listeners, our Learn With GMP audience who work at a variety of different um, companies, what advice would you have to anybody who wants to start something like this at their own organization? I think you have to be doing it for the right reasons, right? I never went into this thinking this was a career step for me. And if you spoke to my husband, he's absolutely horrified that I've basically just doubled my work because I do all this empathy stuff, you know, at six o'clock in the morning and at 11 o'clock at night. So I think you have to be doing it for the right reason and really believe in it. This journey has taken me, I'm now studying compassion at Stanford. Like I really, really care about this stuff now. And I, um, that course has opened up a lot of um, conversations for me with other big tech companies who have people within their um, ranks trying to do the same thing that I am. So I would say just, you know, be true to your ideas, um, share as much as possible. The best thing that happened for me when I started this journey was I would reach out to people in learning and development or in um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, or various other facilitation teams, just saying like, hey, can you help? And everyone said yes. So all of a sudden I had like a, an executive board of um, advisors helping me along the way and I had people that I could bounce ideas off at every stage and I get a ton of feedback after every single workshop that I do and it's not all of the this was amazing variety sometimes people say to me like you need to step back on that you need to take a pause here you need to go deeper on this section and when you surround yourself with people that just desperately care for each other's success then you all benefit from from everyone's feedback so I definitely say go for it well I I hope that people do I hope that we have some listeners here from other organizations and who feel empowered to start this or um, continue their work at this work at, at their company because I you know I think you're right I think now more than ever people are realizing that this is mental health is something we need to talk about um, and leading with empathy is crucial for having a successful team. So I'm I'm thinking that hopefully we hear down the road that after this podcast, we heard of some other Learn With Empathy courses that maybe popped up um, around other organizations because I think this work is truly amazing, Carrie. I can't thank you enough for bringing this to light. And like I said, I really feel when you launched this, it was pre-pandemic and this wasn't something that I, I really think was on people's radars. Um, and I think you really started that conversation. So thank you so much for all that you do um, to this incredibly important cause. And thank you for speaking with us on the Learn with GMP podcast today. No, thank you. And I will say, so on, in the spirit of thank yous, like one of the most basic things you can do to just spread some empathy and kindness is just to reach out to someone out of context, 
you know, and just say, hey, I just want to say thank you so much for the way that you spoke up for me in that meeting last week. Or I really want to thank you for the way you showed up for me in that presentation. So I just encourage anyone listening to this to just do that right now with someone that you want to thank for something and you haven't yet because it will make their day slash week slash month slash year and it takes you 30 seconds and I think if we all just start doing those small things it just it definitely makes a big difference so thank you Cara you became a mom during COVID and my god it's it's really really difficult I bet you don't have a minute to yourself but that kind of you know you you have to make sure that you're looking after your mental well-being as well as the well-being of your your little one and your family I love that idea of reaching out and thanking someone my mind is already racing of all the you know I feel like it's something to easily to think of in the moment of like oh I I better like tell them how great this was and then it just falls off your to-do list um it does it's so easy to be like well I don't have to do that and like there's so many other things I have to do so um I think that's a great challenge to myself and to our listeners to think of somebody that uh you want to thank post this podcast and set aside just 30 seconds to send off an email letting them know how much you appreciate um them having your back brilliant thank you Thank you, Carrie. Well, we hope to have you back another time soon. And this was a pleasure to learn more about leading with empathy. I am looking forward to going to thank somebody right now. And I I encourage everybody else to do the same. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Carol. Thanks, Carrie.